Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Invoking Witchcraft. My name is Jay Allen Cross, and I am here with my lovely co-host, Britton Boyd, also known as Archaic Honey on the Instagrams. How are you doing, Jay? You know, I'm doing all right, uh, living my best life. Um, Satan's particles are in the air. It is indeed spring, so I have been sniffly and sneezy and all the fun things. Um, It's a wonderful game of... Is it the allergies or is it the COVID? Uh, So we're just going to roll the dice. (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah, I know. And um, I got like a small cold a little while ago. It was just like super minor. It was like a day's worth of just like feeling kind of under the weather. And yeah, you're like, oh, God, is it COVID or is it just like a passing cold? Is this the end? (laughs) Like what's going on? Because, yeah, we're, we're, we're still not out of the COVID era. Even though mask mandates have been lifted and such, um, you know, it's like chilling out, but it's still like it's still there. Yeah, it is still there. It'll hopefully one day everything will kind of shake back into some sense of normalcy. But at this point, what even is normalcy? I, I don't it, think that exists anymore. No, I, I mean, the world is in turmoil right now it's it's just a very unpredictable time i've been having really apocalyptic dreams um lately just like wild things happening in the dream space right now about the world and the world affairs yes i have been processing a lot of shit in the dreamscape recently and so i don't and i've i've been hearing a lot of people talk about that so i don't know if there's something astrological happening or if we're all kind of together processing some shit um or if it's just that time in the in the pandemic that we're doing so but yes a lot of processing has been happening in the in the dream area Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely and speaking of turmoil unpredictability and apocalypse um we have been <laughs> scrolling through our reviews on the podcast which is always a fave we love to hear what everybody has to say um there are haters of course but these ones are also kind of my favorite um we have had a couple of people accuse us of being agents of the church or mm-hmm. christian supremacists um I think they must have missed the episode where Britain sells their soul to the devil. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so we just want to say that we're just simply a, a well-rounded podcast and folk magic does indeed incorporate uh, quite a few elements of Christianity. And that's kind of where we both work. So we are not here to support the church. The church can go fuck itself, but you know, the, the, the old folk magic is, is still there for us. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's a strange dichotomy, you know, folk magic and witchcraft. Um, there is a hand in the old ways and the old gods, the old way of doing things, you know, in that that witchcraft folk magic sense. And then, you know, there there's the aspect of Christianity within it. And I think it would do our listeners a disservice, as well as just like the folks that we chat with on Instagram, social media, etc., to ignore the Christian element of witchcraft, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really good 
to know thy enemy. Indeed. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. You have to, you have to know it. And then, and my favorite thing too, is like, you know, witchcraft is inherently subversive to kind Mm -hmm. of societal standards and the status quo and whatnot. And so when, when, when we then take the enemy's tools and weapons and then utilize them for ourselves or against them, I think that's probably one of the most subversive acts that we can do. Um, Absolutely. So... So, yeah. sure. so just know that we are we're well-rounded. And if you love our podcast, definitely feel free to drop that review. We love reviews. So feel free to come on over, give us some stars, say some nice things about us, and mm-hmm. uh, join us in the Coven, too. We have a, a special Facebook group that is exclusive for Coven members. You can get signed up for that um, through our website. And then you can get in there. We do a weekly live Q&A every Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you have questions about witchcraft, about folk magic, about spirits and ghosts and goblins, you can absolutely jump in there with us and we can talk all about it. Yeah, we have a lot of fun each week and each week is so different. Like folks just bring us really cool questions and we have really interesting conversations. Last week, I think we talked around business witchcraft mm-hmm. and then we talked about film like we just really like span like the full spectrum of like folk magic and witchcraft in these q a's and if you're curious about signing up you can go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven and check it out there and um then you sign up uh at your at a sliding scale price you can do from five dollars to 25 dollars a month Mm-hmm. And then um, then you just request to join our Facebook group and then I approve you. And then, yeah, you can just hang out, chat with other folks who listen to the show and um, just share about your practice and like get feedback, etc. And then join us for this weekly Q&A. It's a really fun and we have a lot of regulars in the weekly Q&A. So we really love getting to know who's listening to the show and like we are building community and it's just, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. And then we also get to hear, you know, based on kind of what kinds of questions people are bringing to us, we get to figure out kind of what topics we should talk about on the podcast as well. So that's really helpful Mm -hmm. for us too. So it goes both directions, but yeah, definitely, definitely come hang out with us. um, Ask us questions. You can get kind of coaching that way for only $5 a month. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And then you can find out our stance on Christianity. Like you can really pick our brains. <laughs> <laughs> you can get you can get all up in there. Okay, before we start into this episode episode, um I want to I want to bring something to some people's attention. You had two very big events happen on the same day yesterday. Can you can you oh, tell yeah. them uh what is new in the life of Britain? Oh, okay. Yeah, I totally sort of spaced on it. So yesterday was my 37th birthday. Happy birthday. I can't believe I'm 37. Like 36 felt young. But when I hit 37, I was like, Oh, I'm old. <laughs> you, you've hit suddenly it is the twilight of your 30s. Of my like, 30s. Like I can see the sun setting. Um, (laughs) and then, uh, today it is April 20th. Um, I have a year of sobriety. Yay. I'm so, I'm so proud of you. I can't believe it. Like I went and you know how you get alerts if you have like an iPhone. I don't know if other phones do this where it's like this 
this is what you were doing last year. And it like shows you photos and stuff. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, I went on a camping trip with my then sweetie. And uh, oh, my gosh, I was drunk the whole time. And I was just like looking at myself and I was just like, oh, my gosh, like what a 180. It's it's pretty wild. Like it it literally feels like it was yesterday that I chose to get sober. Yeah, it seems like yesterday that year went by really fast, at least for me. I don't know if it felt fast for you, but it did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Getting sober. And like, also, it's been a year that I've been working on my book, too. Mm-hmm. Like that, like all of it kind of coincided at the same time, like getting sober, picking up a book, picking up writing a book rather. And uh, yeah, it's just been it's been a freaking journey. Um, well, so, and you went like yeah. full sober, like all the things, even for a yeah. while you were off caffeine Mm-hmm. In the middle of a pandemic, while writing a book, <laughs> yeah, and dealing with you know general life turmoil, I am, I am so proud of you because that that's not easy stuff. That is not easy stuff. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I you know they they say in recovery, you know, one thing at a time. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't kill, don't kill yourself trying to quit the alcohol, the nicotine, and the caffeine. Um, so I, I'm still using my nicotine and caffeine, uh, regularly to keep, keep the wheels turning and stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, caffeine is just something I'll never let go. Um, you know, it's like that meme on the internet, uh, the advanced spirituality pack is a cigarette (laughs) and a cup of coffee in a styrofoam cup. (laughs) In a styrofoam cup. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Mm -hmm. here's to many more years of sobriety and many more years of growing older. I don't think you have anything to worry about being 37 because one of our negative reviews as well was talking about you being some 22-year-old or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's it's that moon dew. It's keeping you you, you young. Right. It's my hyaluronic acid serum that I make. And the blood of babies. uh, and the blood of, of children um, yeah. and stuff. Very, uh, was Elizabeth Bathory? Yes. 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 The vampire queen. The the blood of virgins keeping her young. And I mean, you know, selling your soul to the devil too, I've been told, increases hotness. So you, you've, got it, you've got it in. hotness and youth, a youthful appearance. So if you just want yes. a quick route to youth, just go yeah. to the crossroads for a little while, hang out with the devil, sign a contract mm-hmm. in your blood, and you'll be good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Skip the facelift, skip the Botox, just sell your soul to the devil. Mm-hmm. And by the way, this is a Christian podcast. Yes, okay. absolutely. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Oh my gosh. A topic that I'm really excited to talk about. Um, we're talking about going pro as a tarot reader. Um, yes. and, and so to any of our listeners out there who might be curious about going pro as a tarot reader, this episode is especially for you. And we're going to go into all the nitty gritty about around going pro and reading for others. And we're going to share based on our personal experiences with professional tarot reading. Um, So, you know, these are just Jay and I's personal experiences with tarot reading professionally. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there are a ton of other experiences that other folks have out there who do this work professionally. Um, But yeah, we just wanted to kind of dive into this topic with our little tarot series that we have going right now. And yeah, I'm really stoked to talk about this. 
is going to be great. And we have, this is going to be several episodes. And so we're going to break it up with some interviews. So we're not just boring you guys to death with tarot business stuff. Um, Today, we're going to kind of talk about getting started as a professional tarot reader. And then in the following episodes, we're going to talk a little bit about like the actual business portion of it, which is kind of the hardest part in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. because learning to read tarot is fun. And, you know, we love reading tarot and, and many of you probably already read tarot. But then once it actually becomes business, then then things get tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's kind of start from the very beginning. So so what does it mean to be a professional at something? I think a lot of times people mix this term up with being very good at or being competent at something. Mm-hmm. But when we're professional at something, it means that we're actually making a living or at least part of our living mm-hmm. off of it, right? Yeah, I think so. I'm just curious. I want to hear your definition before I launch into my definition of what it means to be a professional. <laughs> Maybe let's let's Google the, the definition of professional. Professional. Uh, yeah, definition. let's do that. Um, it says relating to or belonging to a profession. Um, engaged in a specific activity as one's main paid occupation rather than as a pastime. Oh, yes. So it's like from hobby to this is what I do full time. Yeah, to support yourself. Yes. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. I like that. Like as a professional, non-professional over here, um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm self-taught at pretty much everything. Uh, Well, self-taught. And I also have to give credit to my teachers and the folks who have mentored me over the years, for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, It was weird kind of adopting being like, being like, yes, I'm a professional tarot reader. It was kind of a weird space for me personally when I was yeah. like, yeah, this is what I do full time. Um, though I've taken a back seat from uh, from doing full time tarot. I've definitely with all the other things I have going on in my life right now, I have not had, um, which we'll probably get into later, the mental space or holding mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. for other folks and doing tarot readings. So, yes, it is. Yeah. It's. And I, I think it's great that you brought that up and we will talk about that a little bit in, in other episodes, but you're right. You, you, you do kind of have to create a moment in which you can focus on somebody else during that time. And that mm-hmm. can be difficult depending on what's going on in, in your world or, or what's happening in your life um, to really kind of create that sort of safe, sacred space to do this work in. So yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 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 So how long have you been doing tarot professionally like like when did you like let, let's let's do like a timeline so like how many years had you been doing tarot before you decided to go pro and then how long has it been since then i started reading tarot in 2008 mm-hmm. and then i think i okay y'all first off i'm really bad at math um and then i started opening my books to tarot reading professionally I think three or four years down the road. Mm -hmm. I think it was about that time. So what I did was, um, you know, in our previous episode, I, I worked with uh, Biddy Tarot. I didn't work Mm -hmm. with them, but I utilized their um, free reading for feedback service. So I kind of like built up a little clientele because then I'd have folks reach out to me after I did a free reading for them. They'd be like, Hey, I would like to pay you. You know, and so I started kind of building this base of folks who were regularly coming to me. And then um, 
I launched a Patreon uh, down the road and was doing tarot readings through Patreon. And, um, and then I moved to a standalone website. So it's been roughly eight years mm-hmm. or seven That's or six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I haven't read tarot professionally um, in about a year. I kind of like put it on hold to take care of other things for a while. Yeah, you've been doing yeah. a lot in the shop lately. Yes. With my shop updates and my, my little Botanica, uh, blood moon Botanica has been very busy <laughs> to say the <laughs> Indeed. least. Indeed. Indeed. Mm-hmm. A lot of that stuff. But, yeah. uh, what about you? So for me, like I've, I've been exposed to tarot for pretty much my whole life. My mom used to read tarot or I mean, mm-hmm. still does. Um, but so growing up as a kid, she'd have like friends come over at night and they'd sit at the dinner table by candlelight and she'd read all their tarot cards and stuff. And of course mm-hmm. I was fascinated by it. So I was, you know, around in it watching it. And I used to use her deck when, you know, during the daytime when you know, was it being used. Um, and so I got to know tarot pretty early on as a kid and I would do tarot readings for myself. Um, but then like, you know, through school and through high school and, and up through college, I didn't really take it very seriously as like something that I was going to do for others. It was something like, Oh yeah, I've done that before. I know what that is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was shortly after college that I really decided to really take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And so I started, I used to uh, read tarot for one of my friends um, after work. I think I told this up this story in the last episode. Um, but yeah, so I used to read tarot for a friend after work and then from there kind of started doing it for other people and sort of like how you started doing the the volunteer through through bitty tarot um what i ended up actually doing was getting involved with a couple of um kind of charity events that needed like people there and so you would you would volunteer i didn't have to pay for it thankfully um, but they asked me to attend as a tarot reader And so that was a good way that like, I felt like it was going to a good cause. Nobody was paying me. So it was free, Mm -hmm. but I got to like sit there at a table and just do a bunch of readings. Um, And that was really helpful to not only um, get practice in, but also become comfortable reading for somebody else. Because when when we're, when we're doing, you know, tarot reading in the beginning, we're often just reading for ourselves, Mm -hmm. but to sit there and not have the book to look at and have another person sitting across the table from you looking at you expectantly, that can be very nerve wracking. And so getting used to that, um, kind of throwing down the cards and maybe, Oh my gosh, this is not a card that I'm familiar with, like super familiar with. Like I know this card, but like, it's one that I'm like, Ooh, haven't really taken a deep dive in that one to be able to kind of sit with it and kind of, you know, utilize the intuition and and fill in the blanks where you need to. Um, Mm -hmm that was very helpful to do those as a bunch of readings in a row. And that's a big thing with kind of psychic work too, is, is just practice is really important. Um, the, the lead psychic on my paranormal investigation team was part of Dion Warwick's uh, psychic hotline. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that, that was like the best psychic training ever. Cause it was like psychic boot camp. He was doing like 30 readings in a day, every oh day. And I'm like, Oh God, that's a whole lot. Um, so yeah, find those places where you can practice and, I started charging shortly after that. So I've probably been professionally reading tarot for about five, six years now, but I've been 
in and out of the tarot game pretty much my whole life. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that like I have not been reading professionally for consecutive years, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, collectively around the same time as you or the amount of time that you have and stuff. Um, But I really like what you touch on there going like, yeah, you're like reading for yourself and then you're reading for friends like you have that rapport going and then you have like when you go pro, you have like a, a total stranger sitting in front of you you know, and they're, they're getting really vulnerable with you. Like that's a big leap to take. Mm. Um, and it can be, it can be a little intimidating, a little scary. Yeah. And then too, you also have to, once, once you start doing that work with, with multiple people, multiple strangers, then you start to realize something too, about something that we're going to talk about next episode, which is something I call tableside manner, mm-hmm. which is when you do tarot readings for people, their baggage gets dumped out on the table. And sometimes the it's either some shocking news. Um, mm-hmm. I've I've uncovered many an affair um, <laughs> via tarot reading, um, other things that are similar along those lines, um, or maybe things that are unpleasant to have to tell them too. Mm-hmm. And so finding out how to do that with as much grace and as much tact as you can, while also maintaining the space as being safe um, for them to process that with you is mm-hmm. very important. So once you start doing it for strangers, then you start to realize um, how important it is for you to conduct yourself in a manner that is professional if you want to be right. professional. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So how do we know that we are ready to go pro? So so let's say we've been learning the tarot, which is kind of, we covered last episode kind of like, okay, so we've learned to the tarot. We're feeling pretty comfortable with it. Um, Maybe we've done some readings for friends that have gone well. Maybe we've done some free readings for people who are strangers a little bit. Then we're kind of on this precipice of things are going well, but how do we, how do we know that we're ready? Where what's kind of maybe our first one. Uh, you're broke. You're broke. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You got this. You skill. have to. <laughs> you have to, right? Um, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. That's kind of one of the one of the things that triggered me getting into tarot reading was like, okay, I need to make an income. Like, I need to supplement mm-hmm. my income with a, an additional work. You know, having an, an additional income stream. So I got to a point where I was just like, okay, I have this skill set. You know, like it's a good skill set. It helps other people. And I want to share that. So it's mm-hmm. like a combination of like a personal need for myself to mm-hmm. generate an income, which I know is a taboo thing in the spiritual community to want to generate an income. Sorry, y'all. The melodies of my dog in the background is like a little distracting. Um, <laughs> so there's like this personal need for me and then another desire to want to help people and then also having this skill set that I would love to exercise and not allow to atrophy. Does that make sense? Like yes. I want to I want to keep this skill set fresh and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's for me a combination of those things that led me to to wanting to go pro and to create a standalone website that showcased what I could offer folks. Mm-hmm. And and then put the word out and be like, hey, I'm available for this. Like, let's do a consultation and then let's move along, you know, go through the mm-hmm. process. That was kind of like 
that was the the leap for me, as well as being like, I do a good job at this and I feel that I should perhaps be getting compensated for it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I like too that you brought up immediately being broke Um, because it's so funny because I always joke that I'm kind of just tied to the bumper of spirit and it, I just get, you know, dragged wherever spirit wants me to go. Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes too, like, people who are meant to do this work will end up getting like backed into a corner where they have to do this work. Right. Um, which is a thing. So like me, I, I didn't really want to do professional witchcraft full time. And then literally every other option vanished mm-hmm. and then the pandemic hit. And the one job I still had was like, Hey, we're going to close down now. And I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> like, I guess I'm doing this now. So sometimes mm-hmm. spirit does kind of like force you into that. Now notice how that is different though, than deciding you're just going to become a tarot reader to make a bunch of money. Like that's right. different. Cause number one, you're not going to make a bunch of money. <laughs> let me no. tell you. Um, but like it, it's, there's a difference between me like, Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm being pushed out of the nest a little bit. Mm-hmm. And a difference between being like, I'm just going to make all this money. Um, but I think it's important that you bring that up because it's true. Sometimes spirit will be like, hey, I see you're dragging your feet. We're just going to force this to be a thing now. Good luck. To right. You. <laughs> right. It's like they shut they shut all available doors and you're like, OK, the one door that's open to me is to like go full time into my witchcraft and or tarot reading practice or whatever mm-hmm. spiritual service that, that you offer. And spirits like that. Here, here's the way. <laughs> like time to go. <laughs> And you're like, ah, crap. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. So one of the ways that I like to, or or one of the things I like people to check off first before they begin charging people money for tarot readings is that you are off the book. We should know the book, the, um, the kind of traditional meanings, things like that, the guidebook. Um, we, we should know all that information. But if you're at a place where you can't get through your tarot readings consistently without checking the book, then we may need to pump the brakes on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that you will never, ever check the book again. Um, even now, sometimes, especially if I'm doing a reading for myself, I will look up the meanings of it simply because I feel like that is a way to have a third party read the cards to me, especially if I'm in like a um, kind of a a doom reading place. (laughs) Um, I will check the book that way. I'm not clouding it with all the things that I'm worried it might be meaning. So don't feel like you can never, ever go back to the book because sometimes that's actually really important because sometimes you go back to the book and you're like, oh my gosh, I completely forgot this entire layer of this card because I got comfortable with one facet of this card. And so it can be very important to go back and check the book. But if you're going to be doing a tarot reading where someone is paying you, and I've seen this before, and I've had people come to me and tell me that they're like, I paid this person $150 for a tarot reading. And the first thing they did was pick up the book and just start reading straight from the book what it says. <laughs> and that's not what we're going for here. That's that's not how we tailor it to the person themselves, you know? Right, exactly. I am in complete agreement with you there. Um, definitely, it, there's a point at which you got to take off the training wheels and like mm-hmm. learn to ride the bike all on your own and stuff. And um, that can be 
that can be an intimidating leap because sometimes there's still cards like I'll be reading for someone and I'll pull a card and I'll just be like racking my brains like, oh, you know, how can I how, how can I apply this to what's going on in their life and stuff? But usually, you know, that's the beauty of doing a, a uh, in-person reading is like there's the emoting. People are emoting and looking mm-hmm. at the imagery and you're having this feedback conversation that usually mm-hmm. gives you greater details about what the card is is meaning. Um, but definitely um, being off the book. I like that. Off the book mm-hmm. uh, and being prepared for that. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of brings us into like the next one, too, which is like. You you have to be like you, you have to know the traditional meanings, but also be comfortable deviating from that mm-hmm. when guided to intuitively, you know, because I, I don't like just going with the just make up whatever based on what you're feeling. But also, I don't like sticking only to the traditional meanings either. I will sometimes pull out a card And that day, that card means something else. Or like for Mm -hmm. that one reading, that card means something completely different. Um, So for instance, sometimes like um, a lot of times when I'm, if if I'm doing like relationship readings and the relationship does not look well in the cards and then the hero fent comes up, um, for some reason, I tend to read that as needing an attorney. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Um, So like, and that's not really a traditional meaning mm-hmm. of that card but sometimes when it pops up it means that so you you have to be uh, what i call comfortable with what i call off-roading <laughs> which is sometimes right. you're going down the traditional meanings and then you have to take a left real quick because you know uh, your guides or the cards or whatever are asking you to at that moment and knowing when to do both is sometimes difficult um but it's something that you will learn with practice you know mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why we do free readings for a good yes. a good long while before we launch into professional tarot reading. Um, that way we can kind of pick up those nuances and learn how to weave a story. Because ultimately, in my opinion, tarot reading is storytelling. Um, yes. you're, you're looking at the cards and you're weaving a cohesive story. And that is like the art and the skill of tarot reading is being able to tell that story. So that just takes some time and practice uh, with free reading and reading for friends and for yourself. Like I remember in the previous episode that we had done, you were doing, um, what, what did you call it? Dumb readings? I call them dummy readings, dummy readings. And mm. then, yeah, you just like weave a story based on the cards that you've thrown down for no mm. purpose other than to do a dummy reading. Yeah. Just to I, work I on building really cool. the story. Yeah, yeah. The story building. Cause you're right. Like it's, it's not just, knowing what each card means because each card's meaning will change Mm -hmm. depending on the other cards around it. So like, um, for instance, the ace of wands might mean like inspiration or like starting something or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if it's around with like the ace of cups and the empress and (laughs) a few of the other ones, it might mean you're pregnant as all hell. Um, So these things change depending on what else is around it. Um, Same things with like, like the three of cups in reverse may mean that you're not having a great time right now. It also might mean that um, someone is cheating on you depending on Mm -hmm. what is around this card. Similarly, it all, the meaning of the card will also change depending on, you know, where, you know, the situation itself. I remember listening to a, 
a podcast with Devi Spring and and she was like, you know, I sometimes you you pull the devil card and it's it's not a good thing. You don't want that. But then also sometimes my client is about to go to Vegas and I pull the devil card and I'm like you're going to have a great time. Like, right. You know. Exactly. Like, it's it, it all it all the the meaning of all these cards changes depending on the context. Mm-hmm. Um for sure. Yeah. And w- one of the ways that I like to look at the uh, wands is that it's just penises. Just so many pork swords. So just just you know. penises everywhere in the everywhere. in the wands. Mm-hmm. For sure. Heavy phallic energy. Big time. Yeah. Just waving them around. Mm-hmm. This is a Christian podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> With our... <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Our, our penis tarot here. <laughs> We're getting off of it. Uh, now, this is this kind of goes along to it with what we've been talking about, but kind of understanding the cards as being three dimensional. You know, mm-hmm. kind of like we're talking about them changing with the context, but also I feel like every card has multiple layers and kind of like how you read it. So, like when I when I throw down like a tarot spread. I don't tend to look at the individual cards right away. I, I start from like way zoomed out. So like something I like to notice, first of all, is like, is there a color scheme happening here? Yes, like, yes, yes. Right. So like one time I was reading for this girl who had heavy water placements and I did not know this, but her entire spread came out blue. Yep. Like it just created this big pool on the table. And I was like, Oh, I was like, are you like a water sign? And she was something like a triple cancer or something like that. And I'm like, maybe because we've, we've created this sort of like pool on the table. And, and to me, this, this pool seemed very private. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, I'm like, I can even tell just by looking at the color here that you kind of live in your own private world that people don't have, aren't often able to see or, Mm -hmm kind of be involved in because they're not invited. And so when you invite people into this very special pool, it's a very big deal. Um, but also that comes with loneliness too. Um, mm-hmm. and, and all of that comes just based off of looking at just like, you know, the basic things, is there a big color scheme here? Or maybe it might be very bright. It might be very yellow or it might be very red, things like that. And then for me, since I read reversals, um, I'll look and see how, what's the ratio here? to reversals, to upright cards. Um, Because let me tell you, the moment the pandemic hit and everything shut down, everyone's tarot spreads came out almost 100% all the cards in reverse. Yeah. And when I see that, I'm like, okay, this means that we're, we're like blocked up here. We're like, Mm -hmm. we're, we've, we've, when I see that, it very much gives me the sense that like, you know, wheels are spinning, but we're not going anywhere. Like even if we're hitting the gas Um, or you may notice too, that like, okay, maybe there aren't very many reversals, but all the ones that are reversed are major arcana cards, Mm -hmm. which will also let give you kind of information like, okay, maybe some things are kind of moving, but the big things aren't. So it's like, kind of like there's like a stream with big boulders in it you know, Mm -hmm. that we're trying to kind of trickle through or around. Um, So understanding the cards is not just their individual meanings, but as layers and layers and layers of Mm -hmm. meaning. Mm -hmm. I love that. And it's funny. So while you were talking, um, I very distractedly and ADHD uh, reached for my tarot deck because I have it next to me. 
and I just like split the deck and pulled three cards and it is interestingly heavy blue theme. Oh, with our conversation, we have the Queen of Swords, the Nine of Cups and the Nine of Cups, the mm. Knight of Cups and the Nine of Cups. That's kind of a tongue twister there. Um, yeah. And there's like some heavy blue themes with quite a bit of yellow and stuff. And that's that's also how I read is like when I first pull the cards, I just take a look at color themes. I take mm-hmm. a look at the elements. Um, I take a look at positioning you know, like, for example, in this spread that I have here, the Queen of Swords and the Knight of Cups are heading to the Nine of Cups. It's direction. Mm. So you're looking at the direction that things are facing. You know what I mean? So it's like if you have a card that is facing away from, say, the Ace of Cups, it might be that you're you may be moving away from that energy. Like what's the directionality mm-hmm. of things and what is the temperature of of the cards so i usually like when i launch into a tarot reading with someone i kind of check in there to begin Mm -hmm. weaving the story and then i go i peel back a layer and then i start diving into the traditional meanings and then i go another layer where i i dip into intuition Mm -hmm. because like through that conversation you're going to start getting feedback from your client and then you can Mm -hmm. then you go another layer like you like jay said multiple layers here and it's peeling the onion for them peeling the onion and maybe there's crying involved possibly there is crying it does happen which is another reason why we're going to talk about tableside manner in the next episode because what do you do when someone bursts into tears or more importantly what do you do when they don't (laughs) right yes sometimes people are like i'm gonna give this tarot reading so good that they're gonna cry and sometimes people just look at you and are like "Uh (laughs) uh-huh Right. And that's oh, okay God. too. That I is got okay. stories. Oh, <laughs> just already, just like, oh no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you read tarot for a brick wall. That does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so so take a look. Remember that these cards are three-dimensional. So if if you're not quite there yet, again, that's where like the doing freebie readings come in. That's something that's again, it's just practice. It's not that you're not a good tarot reader, it's just this is a skill. That requires practice. Um, other things to look at too, kind of like along that same vein is like, is there a certain suit that comes up a lot? Like, is this suit, is this reading mainly swords, you know, mm-hmm. or is it mainly, um, you know, pentacles or something like that? Or um, is it mainly major arcana cards? Like <laughs> if I'm doing a tarot reading for somebody and like six or seven major arcana cards come out, I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> Right. So everything's happening for you at once right now. And they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, Good luck to you. Definitely. Definitely. Here's another one as far as kind of checking to see if we are ready. And that is simply this. This can be difficult. But it's under, when you can understand the difference between giving a good reading and giving a reading that makes someone happy. those are two different things because i i hear a lot of people being like well everyone's so happy when they're when they're done at my table um which means i'm a good tarot reading because everyone has a great time when they're here and it's like it's not that we want them to have a bad time but we do want to be honest and the tarot and doing psychic services is not always telling people what they want to hear. And if Mm -hmm. everyone is always just happy, 
And because you've told them good things are going to be happening for them, whether that's true or not, um, that does not equate to giving a good quality reading. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. It's like, it's a real reading. Mm-hmm. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Like, yes. um, like the, the one flattery. of the things you right. So one of the mm. things that I shared on, on my website when I was doing professional terror readings was that I do not sugarcoat my readings. Mm-hmm. I am a no bullshit, no sugar reading person. Oh. Um, I think that that's really important because while we want our client to feel good at the end of the day, you know, if they're struggling and they're going through a really hard time, it, it can sometimes be a bit of a slap in the face to be like, no, actually, everything's fine. Right. You know what Good I mean? Things like, are coming. Like, you're just shedding that which no longer serves, you know? Right. Like, and all love and light. Like, um, you want to be able to validate their feelings when they're going mm-hmm. through a really tough situation. Um, and generally, the cards will show that. But I think, you know, if you're you're read, doing a reading for someone who's like going through a, a a breakup and the three of swords comes up, which often it does, like, you know, it's good to acknowledge like, hey, yeah, you are going through the pain and mm-hmm. you're going to need to go continually through the pain to get through it. There's no mm-hmm. beating around, There's no the bush around it. There's yeah. no around it when it comes to the three of swords. And the, eventually, oh. what, and what I love about that card, it's raining and it softens like the hard, compact soil of our hearts. You know what I mean? So that they can be pierced. Oh my God. So they can soften and grow because the rain brings growth and nourishment to the, to the hard, compacted soil. So I always see it as like the soils like breaking up and being nourished so that more can come through. So really Mm -hmm. I love, I don't know. It's like a card that has a lot of sadness with it, but a card that also comes with like, an immense amount of beauty. Right, exactly. And see, I like that. I like that because similarly, like, I don't like to just give people bad news. Like, there's a difference between just giving people good things that they want to hear and a difference between that and letting them know the bad stuff, but also being um, leaving them with something that they can work with, you know, instead of like, because we also don't want to do the opposite and just tell them all the bad things and then not be helpful at all. Because that's why they're there is they want you to help them. And so like, for instance, like the, um, the five of pentacles is like poverty, you know, like this this financial despair. Mm -hmm. But what a lot of people don't notice is something very, very, very important about that card is the fact that there is that church window like above Mm -hmm. them that's lit. Right. Signifying that even though you are going through a tough time right now, there is support available There is Mm -hmm. places that you can go. There are resources, you know, there. So it's not just being like, yeah, you're broke. This sucks for you, you know, reminding them as well, you know. So like you you don't have to like completely crush your, your, your sitters, like hopes and dreams and stuff, but like, you know, be honest with them Mm -hmm. um, and, and tell them, you know, communicate to them the things that they need to hear. But there's a difference between kind of, giving them something that they can work with or giving them hope and simply telling them what they want to hear. Those are different things. Very different things. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And I love that illustration of the five of pentacles 
And like one of my keywords for that card is let yourself in. Mm. Let yourself in, open the door to that support. Because so often when we're struggling, we tend to isolate. And it is mm-hmm. a card of isolation. So yeah, it's like seeing that church, the warmth of the church and the building in the background, however you see it, uh, to let yourself in there. Um, because mm-hmm. it is an option to those people. There is some help and support available to them. Um, but I really like that, what you had shared about that 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 difference between like what the client wants to hear, what you have to share, and like being real with them is mm-hmm. really important. And it's a it's a fine balancing act to know how to to navigate that mm-hmm. for sure. And sometimes too, it's what the sitter wants. So while I was doing a bunch of those free, you know, at charity events reading, I remember sitting down with this girl and the cards came out that her life was an absolute mess because mm-hmm. she was creating a lot of drama. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to pose, I'm, I'm, I'm beating around the bush trying to kind of like sugarcoat it as much as possible. And she is not having it at this table. She's like, no, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense at all. And finally I just kind of went, okay, I'm going to be really honest with you here. She goes, okay. And I'm like, it looks like all of your problems are self-created. Ooh. And she goes, that makes sense. <laughs> and then she was totally cool for the rest of the reading. Like mm-hmm. sometimes they, they want it, you know, you have mm-hmm. to really tell them. Um, because sometimes I think too, that they can tell that you're beating around the bush and they're like, no, I, I just want you to tell me the honest answer, even if it's mm-hmm. something that you think I may not want to hear. Right. No. Right. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I'm going to just uh, go off road here for a second. It is oh, yeah. still on topic. Uh, we are going to talk about a good client etiquette, like from the other side, yes. right? Where we, yes. okay, cool. Because there's so much that I want to, that I w- would want to prepare a potential person who wants to go to a tarot reader to prepare them for like how to be Mm. um, a good client or how to be open to the tarot reading because so often people have disappointing experiences with a reader because it wasn't approached in the appropriate way yes if if that makes sense you know like like the person who just sits at the table and they're like give me a reading and you're like about what (laughs) like We need context. (laughs) Yeah. Anything. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. We will be talking about because there are certain ways that you really do not want to approach a tarot reading. And like two of them just off the top of my head, like the major don'ts is like, number one, do not surprise your friend with a tarot reading for like their birthday. Mm. Like last minute. Don't be like, oh, surprise. Here's your tarot reading. Because they're like. I haven't had time to think of anything or, or I wasn't expecting this to happen. So it's, it's just not like a good place. Also don't, don't make your boyfriend have a tarot reading. Right. Don't drag your significant other into it. Yeah, no, that gets very dangerous. That was one thing that would happen during those charity things is these girls would like pull their boyfriend over to sit down at my table and I'd be like, okay, so am I reading for you each individually or, or are we doing a couple's reading? And she'd be like, we're doing a couple's reading. And you could just see him just be like, oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. And I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> like, like, don't, don't do this, people. Because you're right. 
the the state at which you you come to your tarot reader it does make a difference mm-hmm. absolutely and the last one we have here on our list is kind of when you develop kind of etiquette for what we call tableside manner and, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in in our next episode here kind of like what that means and that's something too again that's just going to take practice because you aren't going to know that you need to know how to handle a situation sometimes until you end up in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, um, sometimes you're like, oh, I didn't think the day would come that I would have to give this message to somebody. Or sometimes you're doing a tarot reading and the tarot does not want to be read, but Nana has showed up and she needs to tell you something. And you're like, was not ready for this. Um, but here we go, you know, and then, and then once it happens, then you can, figure out, okay, how do I handle this as respectfully and gracefully as I can in the future? Mm-hmm. Um, so don't be afraid of practice, y'all. Practice is not a bad thing. Practice is really good. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It is a funny experience, you know, if you're an intuitive tarot reader, and especially if you're a person who utilizes spirits uh, in your tarot reading practice, which so many people do, Uh, When spirit decides to randomly show up at the table and wants to relay a message to someone I have had for whatever reason. Now, I love cats, but I haven't had a cat in my life for a really long time. Cats, deceased cats, love to show up. Oh, in in readings that I've been that I've done for folks um, to relay messages. It's just an experience when you're reading and then like, yeah, spirit drops in and you're like, oh, hey. Hey, hey, (laughs) (laughs) gotta tell you something real quick. Buckle up. Yeah, that definitely does happen for sure. So, yeah, so these are some of the things that you may want to check off before you go out there and begin marketing yourself um, for paid stuff. Um, And two, I mean, don't be afraid of, of a good gimmick. I mean, at the end of the day, this is business. So like I have a friend right now who is doing a a tarot business, but what she's doing is she's offering tea service that comes with tarot reading. So she comes to your mm-hmm. event, sets up a traveling tea service and does tarot readings there. So yeah, get creative with it. You can have fun with it. You can make it your own thing. Um, I have friends too, who like have hair salons and they do tarot readings as part of that too. So like, you know, shake it up. I love that. I also, uh, one thing, one thing I used to do was, uh, there there was this bar in my neighborhood in Portland that I used to frequent when I was drinking. Um, and I would, uh, do, I would do, it was kind of like what you had shared in a previous Mm. episode where you're like reading for a friend and then other people show up because they see what Mm. you're doing. Like, that's one of my favorite things is to do is to like, go to your favorite haunt Mm. and like, talk to the owners, see how they feel about you, like setting up shop in a, and, you know, just like take up a little corner space, light a candle mm. and um, maybe, you know, throw some cards for folks in the, in the shop who uh, who might want to have a reading. I actually had a really incredible reading when I went to my favorite coffee spot on the coast um, and made uh, an interesting acquaintance through it. Um, and mm. we like uh, the reader and I connected on Instagram. So I still follow their their content and what they're doing in the world. It's really fun. You can make some really interesting connections and um, yeah, do definitely get creative with it. 
Totally. And don't be afraid to, to like cross train for your tarot. Like Mm -hmm. if you're having a really hard time with like the intuitive part of it, or like seeing the symbols or kind of like pulling the symbols up out of it and finding meaning in them. um, I tell people to like try tea leaf reading or learn tea leaf reading at the same time, because then that helps you get to start seeing shapes and symbols and things and kind of look at the details and see what you see in something. And then from there, like, okay, so I see a bird. Mm-hmm. How does that make me feel? Does that make me feel free? Does that make me feel um, small and vulnerable? Uh, you know, h- how does that make me feel? And then from there, how can I apply that feeling and that symbol to what it is I might be asking or what's happening in my life right now? Um and then, you know, do things like that. So like when, when I do tarot um, classes or tarot workshops, I don't even start people with tarot because it, it can be too much for their brain. Their people are too attached to the fact that there is a right and a wrong answer for the yeah. tarot that I'll be like, hey, so here's this card. Look at it. What do you see? What does that mean to you? They're like, I don't know. No one's told me what this card means. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know, but like, can you tell based off the symbols? I don't know because I don't know what this card means. So what I do is I give everybody Rorschach tests, like the ink blot tests. And I go, what do you see in this? And then I ask like, well, what does that mean to you? How does it make you feel um, to get them to start doing that? And then I move them yeah. over to tarot to kind of engage that part of their brain and go, okay, we're going to do the same thing. Now we're going to do a tarot because people will have a blockage of like, I don't want to get it wrong. And I'm like, there is no wrong. But they're like, yes, there is because there's a book. So that means that it's wrong. <laughs> there's a wrong answer. Right. So. Yeah, that feels like a fat, like the ink blot things. Uh, it feels like mm. a fast track to getting in touch with your intuition. Because, you know, everybody's going to see something different and it's going to evoke mm-hmm. different feelings in different folks. So I think that's really fascinating. I love that. Yeah. Kind of just get out of the head a little bit. You right. know, we, we love using the old noodle machine, but sometimes when it comes to intuitive stuff, you need to kind of turn it off a little bit because sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes it can be a little overactive. Uh, oh, yeah. I, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. All right, everybody. So next week, we are going to be talking a little bit about um, Tableside Manor and uh, business practices, or I mm-hmm. guess next episode. We, we may have an interview between these. We'll find out. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, but remember, most importantly, in the meantime, too. Always do witchcraft. Do it. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there.